people are here, it's awesome when we get to start uh, our service with baptism. We've been talking in Ephesians over the last several weeks about right, who we are in Christ, all that Christ has done for us. And so it's exciting when somebody enters into the waters and is just publicly declaring, I've given my life to Jesus, I'm following in baptism, and all that is Christ is now mine, and we get to rejoice in that. So let's pray, um, and then we'll start with baptism. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love, your your goodness, your kindness to us. Father, we pray that you would just speak to our hearts today. Lord, through this baptism, through, through singing, through the preaching of your word, even in our time of prayer this morning, God, that as, as your word is open, as our eyes are, are fixed upon you, Spirit of God, move in this place, work in our hearts, illuminate the eyes of our heart that we might see and better know and understand and comprehend all of the promises that are ours in Christ. For your glory and your honor, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Here we go. All right, hop up here. So this is Skylar Blackstock, and I'm joined this morning by her dad, uh, Scott, and then mama's up there, uh, Karen. So uh, before we talk a little bit about Skylar, and her decision to follow the Lord in baptism. If you are family or maybe friends of the family and you came today for Skylar, would you please stand so we can recognize you? Look at that girl. A whole, whole couple rows right there for you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you all. You can be seated. So, Skylar, we know this summer um, at Windshape Camp, right, you gave your life to Jesus Christ. So I have a question for you. So you can announce this. Everybody that's here, everybody watching online, do you confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and Lord and Savior of your life? Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right. Put your hands up here for me. So based upon that profession of faith, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in Christ, raised to walk in newness of life. Awesome. Awesome. There you go. I don't know if you saw that, but when she turned and looked at me, she gave me a big smile. Man, church, let me remind you that Jesus Christ has changed our lives. And that is reason for us to smile all the time. Whether we're little or old, we have hope in Jesus. So I'm going to ask you at this time to stand, welcome those around you, and then we're going to worship together through song.
Check two, two, two. All right. I was buried beneath my shame Who could carry that kind of weight It was my tomb Till I met you Oh, I was breathing but not alive All my failures I tried to hide It was my tomb Till I met you You called my name darkness into your glorious name you called my name and I ran out of that grave out of the darkness into your glorious Your mercy has saved my soul. Now your freedom is all that I know. The old made new. Jesus, when I met you, you called my name. Darkness into your glorious name. 
That's a master club tracks and that's a substantial savings. I got a set for the stock and that's STZ5 artillery tractor. Uh, this is a kit our good friend Tim McCauley found me up in Canada. And the T50 infantry tank. I got a set for that one too. Somebody didn't pay for their Pandora subscription. That is not all. Folks, that value gear, somebody there looks blowing out some stash. <laughs> He's in here somewhere. Get him out of here. So for $14.99 a month, you cannot have ads. There's a box outside in the foyer there. If you just put your check in there, and we'll go ad-free. It's good to have you, Bill. <laughs> Where were we? So the pastor's not in here, so don't tell him about any of this. Who, oh Lord, could save themselves? Their own soul could heal. Her shame was deeper than the sea. Your grace is deeper Lift up our eyes, you're the giver of life. We lift 
seated. I was just going to wait and let the voice talk to us again to see what was going on there. Uh, my wife and, and the boys are at home and I'm back there changing and she texted me and she said, did you leave your microphone on? We can hear somebody talking. I was like, my mic's off and I'm not talking. Nobody's back here with me. And then I heard some voices. Fascinating. Was it Pandora? Is that what you said? <laughs> no, you're just making something up. We're just lip syncing. <laughs> We've all caught on for the first done a really well good job of hiding that well good morning interesting morning always welcome to Northside Baptist Church we're so thankful that you are here uh you'll take out your bulletin did you look through the bulletin looks a little bit different um this morning so if this is your first time with us welcome we're so thankful that you're here to worship with us uh we have a new way for you to fill out a a guest card um a connection card if you will the the instructions are here you can now scan uh, with your camera, just scan this QR code and it'll take you to a, a Google form and you can fill out some information there. Or you'll see there's a connection card now in the pews around you. You can grab one of those, fill it out, um, take it out there and either put it in the box or give it to the ladies uh, at the welcome desk. Or you can pick one up at the welcome desk. So several different ways now for you to let us know that you're here uh, so that we can know how to be praying for you. If there's any way that, that we can answer a question, just let us know. If you have a prayer need, um, there is a, splay, a space on the Google form for you to, to type that in and submit it, or you can just take the back of the connection card in your pew, fill that out, and then put that in the box, and we'll be praying uh, for that. Just a couple of announcements I want to draw your attention to. Uh, one, this Wednesday begins our new time and schedule change. And so you'll see the information there. It's going to begin at 6. Look, I know that that's early for some of you. Um, we didn't start Wednesday night this past week really breaking up into our groups till 6.15. So if you're running a few minutes late, we understand that. Just get here when you can. You, you can just pop in, and usually they probably don't start at 6 o'clock. They're hanging out and, and talking. So get here when you can. It may take you a couple weeks to get adjusted to that. One other thing I want to draw your attention to has been in the bulletin for a couple weeks um, is a women's meal ministry. This is something they were doing back before COVID. They're going to start that again. All uh, the instructions are here, but we just need you to sign up um, out there at the welcome desk. We would greatly appreciate that. Um, 
So this morning, I got to church about 6.30, 6.45. About 7.45 or 8 o'clock, Ryan texts me and says, she's not feeling well and Malachi's not feeling well. Now we're 99% sure it's probably just some allergies, some crud going around. But out of precaution, they stayed home and I stayed in my office. I'm going to wear my mask while we sing. Uh, when the service is over, I'm going to immediately go to my office. So, I mean, if you really need something and you want to come talk to me and you're comfortable with that, by all means, come to the office and I'll talk to you. But I'm not going to be standing out there. I've asked you all the last year and a half, hey, if somebody's sick and somebody's not feeling well, stay home. I'm not above that. Um, it was just a little too late this morning at 8 o'clock and I'm already here. So, if you guys are sitting up close and you want to move to the back, you won't offend me. Because um, sometimes I get loud, and, but uh, I think we're okay. They're going to go get tested tomorrow just to be sure. Um, but we haven't been around anybody to our knowledge that's been positive, but we just want to be cautious with that. So if this is your first time with us, uh, I'm thankful that you're here. Um, if you want to come say, hey, somebody can point you to the office. Otherwise, we hope you'll be back next week. Um, I want to spend a few moments in prayer. Uh, we prayed last week, lifted up. Uh, specifically the believers in Christ who were in Afghanistan. Uh, you all know that this past week, um, due to a, a terrorist attack over there, we lost 13 of our U.S. service members that were killed. So we want to take a few moments to remember uh, their families, um, just to honor their life that they, they gave up for that. Also, um, if it hasn't already, very soon, it looks like a Hurricane 4 uh, is about to hit. Uh, Louisiana and in that area so we want to be mindful of that and also a couple weeks ago a really bad earthquake hit Haiti uh, over two, 2,200 people were killed uh, I think the, the last count that I saw and so you know, we talked a couple weeks ago about how God is going to one day unite all things in Christ until that day we are dealing with sin we're dealing with the effects of sin and we're dealing with the creation that is out of control expressed through terrorist attacks and hurricanes and, and earthquakes, but we know one day God is sending His Son Jesus and all things are going to be made right and all things are going to be reconciled and united in Christ. But until that day, we have an obligation to pray. So I'll pray in just a moment, but if you will, just spend a few moments in prayer uh, lifting up the different things that are going on around us. Father, in our verses this morning, we see the Apostle Paul praying. Lord, to simplify it, prayer is simply just talking to you. It is our responding to you in light of, of how you have spoken to us through your word, through your son Jesus Christ, and even through general revelation. Lord, all that we see around us in your creation. Lord, people are hurting right now. It's been been a hard week. Lord, there's been a lot of pointing of fingers, a lot of blaming, and, and Lord, certainly 
people have to answer for this and how we got to this situation. But the reality is, at the end of the day, somebody just wanted to inflict a lot of harm and pain and just killed a lot of people in the process. We have families grieving. Some of those families maybe went to church today. And there's an empty seat there, Lord, that'll never be filled. A spouse, a son, a daughter, a father, a mother, a friend. Lord, I can't even begin to imagine the pain. I've never walked through that nor experienced it. Many in this room have. They've been there on the front lines. They've seen their buddies, their friends, those who stood there with them. Lord, they've had to experience that grief. Lord, in, in this moment, I honestly don't even know what to pray other than, God, just for your comfort, for your peace, for your grace, for the gospel to be made known in their hearts and in their lives. Well, there's a lot of people right now in, in Louisiana, Lord, terrified. Uh, other parts of, of, of America terrified because of this hurricane. Lord, I can speak to that a little bit. I, I know what that's like having lived in Florida for as long as we did. Uh, even though we were inland, Lord, we've dealt with losing power for a week and, and having to live like that. And, and So, Lord, they're scared. I just pray that you would comfort them. If any of them don't know Jesus Christ, that in the midst of this, they would come to know Jesus. For those, Lord, who are, are grieving the loss of loved ones in Haiti and, and all around the world, there is so much pain, so much grief. But Father, as Paul talks about this morning, as we will sing about at the end of this service, there is a living hope. His name is Jesus. We can know that hope. So, Father, I pray that even in our grief and pain, we still hold fast to that hope. The promises that are in your word, Lord, that they would just resonate in our hearts and lives this morning. And we'll give you all the praise and the glory for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand? Let's continue worshiping together.
seated.
singing. Oh, happy day. It's going to be a good day, isn't it? Happy day that fixed my choice on Thee, my Savior and my God. Well, may this glowing heart rejoice and tell its raptures all abroad. Happy day, happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. He taught me how to watch and pray and live rejoicing every day. Happy day, happy day, when Jesus washed my sins away. Is done the great, transactions done, I am my Lord's and he is mine. He drew me and I followed on, rejoicing in call divine happy day happy day when jesus washed my sins away he taught me how to watch and pray and live rejoicing every day happy day happy day when jesus washed my sins away my long divided heart fixed on this blissful center rest here have i found my nobler part here heavenly pleasures fill my breast happy day happy day when jesus washed my sins away he taught me how to watch and pray and live rejoicing every day. Happy day, happy day, when Jesus washed my sins away. My heaven that hears the solemn vow, that vow renewed shall daily hear, till in life's light is our I bow, and bless in death a bond so dear happy day happy day when jesus washed my sins away he taught me how to watch and pray and live rejoicing every day happy day happy day when jesus washed my sins away remain standing in honor of the reading of God's word and all our kids second grade and under if you've not made your way to children's church you can do that at this time remember they're meeting down in our children's wing they may be out there in uh, the, the foyer still Ephesians chapter 1 verses 15 through we'll probably go through verse 18 this morning and then we'll cover verses 19 through 23 uh, next week so Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 18, and this is the word of the Lord. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. 
having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and in verse 19, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. You may be seated. This week I was reading about William Randolph Hearst. Uh, he had an extensive collection of extremely valuable art. And he would often instruct his agent to go out and just scour the galleries of the world to find masterpieces and to pay whatever, whatever the price was. He just wanted to have all these masterpieces. Well, on one occasion, he sent his agent out to look for a specific masterpiece. This agent looked for months and months, and he couldn't find it. And finally, he found it. Where did he find it? In one of the warehouses that belonged to William Randolph Hearst. He had it this entire time. In fact, he had owned this valuable piece of art for years and didn't even realize it because it was stuck in a warehouse. Here is a man on a quest for something he already owned. Let me say that again. Here is a man who was on a quest for something he already owned. I think, tragically, that describes many Christians, many believers in Christ today. They claim the name of Jesus, but in their hearts, they're still looking for more. Maybe they sing the words of you too, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Right? They're looking, thinking there's got to be more out there, there's got to be more in this Christian life. How many Christians today are frantically searching for what is already theirs in Christ? Maybe this morning you would say some of these following things, or you said them before, earlier in your Christian life. You know, Pastor, I just want more of God, or I want more Jesus, or I want more hope, or I want more of the Holy Spirit, or I want more power. I like what John MacArthur writes. He says, every Christian has many specific needs, physical, moral, and spiritual, for which he must ask the Lord's help. But no Christian needs or can have more of the Lord or of his blessings and inheritance than he already has. That's a good word, church. It's a word we need to be reminded of. Because what Paul does in verses 3 through 14, which I remind you in the Greek is just one long sentence, he expounds for us and explains to us all the blessings that are already ours in who? Christ. In Christ. And then what he does, beginning in verse 15 through verse 23, which in the Greek is just one long sentence. Paul apparently likes long sentences. What Paul is doing is he is praying to God that the saints that the believers would not have more of the blessings he's already mentioned, but that we would be more aware of the blessings that are already ours in Christ. That we would have a deeper understanding of what is already ours in Christ. And so, I just want to draw your attention to two main things, and we'll have some sub-points underneath these. But the first thing I want you to notice in these verses is that Paul gives thanks for his brothers and sisters in Christ. He begins here in verse 15, For this reason, meaning, in light of what I've just said, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, look what he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Paul regularly thanked God 
and regularly prayed to God. Paul is writing from prison. He has planted the church in Ephesus. It's probably been maybe several years since he's been there. But as he's in his prison cell, he is thanking God for those in Ephesus. Why? Well, two specific reasons he mentions here as he's writing to them. Look what he says. For this reason, because I have heard of your, here's the first one, faith in the Lord Jesus. Paul, as he's getting word of the church here, he's hearing of their faith, their trust, their belief. Notice what their faith is in. It's in something specific. It's in the Lord Jesus, the one who all of these blessings come through. It's in Christ. People today are putting their faith in many things. People today are putting their faith in money. People put their faith in power. People put their faith in sex. People put their faith in a person or in their sports team. Anybody else excited college football started yesterday? We now have months and months where we just get to watch college football, right? But many people, man, their faith is in their sports team. And unless you're Alabama football, you really don't have anything to hope in, right? Because they're just going to win it every year. Um, but but we, we have this faith. And for us, our faith is to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he says something else. For your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. Listen to me. One of the evidences of genuine faith and belief in Jesus Christ is a love toward all the saints. Jesus was clear. John 13, 35. He said, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. 1 John 4, 21, and this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Look, you and I all know people are difficult. No amens, that's good, because <laughs> those difficult people could be around you and they could be thinking you were talking about them, right? We all have difficult people. It is not always easy to love people. Even brothers and sisters in Christ sometimes Man, we just don't know if we really want to love them. But can I draw your attention to one really small but important word? And your love toward all. Not some, not many, not most. Church, we are called to love every brother and sister in Christ in this room. Every one of them. There may be somebody right now that you don't really like to be around. You guys just don't get along very well, and maybe nobody else is aware of it. But in your heart, you know it's true. You try to avoid them. But yet Paul says we are to have love toward all the saints. So let me just ask you a couple questions here before we move on to the second thing. Question number one. Are you regularly giving thanks for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Is this a regular practice in your life? Now look, you know a lot of believers in Christ who aren't, aren't part of Northside, but for our sake this morning, I'm specifically talking about people here at Northside. Are you regularly giving thanks for them? Here's what I've seen. I can see it really even in my own heart sometimes, but I've seen it in ministry. The longer we live and the older we get, the temptation for all of us is to become more bitter and more cynical we've seen more we've been through more hurt we've been through more pain we've been through more experiences we've been through more traumas 
We've got more and more aches and pains and things aren't working the way they used to. And it's really easy to become bitter and cynical and to lose the gratefulness, the thankfulness that is to be part of our life. And so when's the last time you went through people in Northside and just begin to thank God for them? When's the last time you thank God for your Sunday school teacher, the people who love on your kids, right, the, the, the pastoral staff? When's the last time you really just went to God and said, God, I'm not asking for anything. I'm here simply to say thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Second question, are you loving your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you find yourself encouraging them, loving on them, looking for God's grace in their lives? Now look, Paul knows that the church in Ephesus, they're not perfect. But what he's choosing to do in this moment is he's choosing to focus on the positive things. I heard a phrase years ago that we're looking for traces of grace. Looking for traces of God's grace. So yes, we could look at each other in this room and we could find flaws in every single one of us. And there are times where we've got to address some of those things, some of those sins, some of those negativities. We have to address them. But we also have to be a people who understand sometimes we just got to bear with one another. We got to overlook a few things, differences, preferences, because we're called to love each other. We're called to serve one another. When's the last time you went up to somebody and all you said is, hey, I see God at work in your life? When's the last time you went up to somebody and said, hey, how's your walk for the Lord? How's your walk with the Lord? When's the last time you went up to somebody and said, hey, how can I pray for you? I just want to be praying for you. How can I pray for you? Church, there's a lot that concerns me in the world right now. One thing that concerns me in the world right now and with our country is we just can't get along with anybody. It seems with every passing day, we get more and more in our tribes and we're just always yelling at each other, accusing one another, blaming one another. We can't come together. Used to in our country, Republican, Democrat, they could at least come together and agree on a few things. Now it's just fighting. When something goes wrong, man, it was Trump's fault. Now it's Biden's fault. And it's, we're just always yelling. But here's the thing. The world is going to act like the world because they're lost. My greater concern is I see this more and more in the church of Jesus Christ. I haven't seen it at Northside, but I've seen it in a lot of places. That there are churches right now who are splitting, who are angry, who are mad, who are attacking one another all the time. Not over doctrinal things, not over heresy, over masks and vaccines. Pastors who have lost their job, church members who just get angry and leave over stuff that's not gospel-focused. We're just angry about all these things that are really important to us, and we just get mad. There's no place for that in the church. I haven't seen that at Northside. Praise God for that. We just love one another. And there's this, this thing that's really, really important that we have lost the ability to do. It's Curtis and I can sit down, and we don't always got to agree. We don't got to yell at each other and badmouth. We can just say, brother, I love you. I just don't see eye to eye with you on that. Hug each other, and we walk away. That's grace. That's mercy. That's the way we as Christians are to love each other, not to have to always just push back. And so are you loving your brothers and sisters in Christ? Again, there's a place for disagreement. There's a place where we may even have to go and call a brother or a sister out. But even in that, we, we do it in love. Third question, are you believing in the Lord Jesus? Simple question. This morning, whether you're watching online or you're here, do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Have you put your faith in Jesus? Are you still putting your faith in Jesus? Something interesting happens. 
Paul here, writing from prison, hearing about the believers here. What does he say? I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. We fast forward to Revelation chapter 2. Jesus addresses seven churches. The first church that he addresses in Revelation is the church in where? Ephesus. What's Jesus say? Man, it starts good. He says, I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. I can just hear Jesus applauding them. Well done, church in Ephesus. But then he drops in this one short little word. But. That word's never good, is it? Your spouse comes and you say, hey, I have something I want to tell you. I really appreciate this, but you know something bad's coming, right? He says, but, look what he says, I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. The temptation for all of us is when we begin our walk in Christ and we're believing and we're trusting and we're loving on our brothers, is the longer we walk with Christ and the more good things that we do, sometimes in doing those good things, we forget to keep believing in Jesus and keep loving Jesus and loving other people. And we walk away from our first love. And so, do you find your hearts this morning thankful, grateful? Are you loving your brothers and sisters? Are you praising God for them, and are you still putting your faith in the Lord Jesus? But then Paul does something else. He not only pray, or praises them, praises God for them, but then he also prays for them. Paul prays for his brothers and sisters in Christ. So what does he say? I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayer. So a couple questions. Number one, what's Paul doing? Well, duh, he's praying, right? Remembering you in my prayers. What is prayer? Well, just to really Make it really, really basic and simple. Prayer is simply talking to God, speaking to God. God has spoken to us through His Word, and now we respond to Him, we speak to Him in prayer. So Paul is praying. To whom does Paul pray? This is important, verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? We saw that back in verse 2. A grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He's praying out to God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory or the glorious Father. Paul is saying that God is Father and that He is glorious. He is the glorious Father. He is the source of glory and power. Church, we do not pray to some little, weak God who is unable to hear and unable to answer. We pray to the Father of glory, the Father who is the source of glory and majesty, and He is glorious in power. He is the all-powerful one, and we will see His power displayed next week as we continue in these verses. But notice He is also Father. He is the all-powerful one, and yet He is Father. He is near. He is compassionate. He is kind, and He is loving. And this is the God to whom Paul prays. This is the God to whom we pray, the Father of glory. Now, what does Paul pray? Here's his content. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know. Now, that's deep. A lot of words there, so we'll unpack that. Let me ask you a question. What is the typical content of your prayers? 
Typically, we'll pray for better health, more money, pray for family problems, marital problems, job situations. Probably a lot of us doing a lot of praying about the government and politics right now. But what's Paul praying for? And none of those are wrong, by the way. All of those are good things to pray for. If you're, well, more money if you're praying for it in the right way. But not bad things to pray about. But what's Paul pray for? He doesn't pray for any of that. He prays that they might know God better. That's his prayer. Look what he says. That he may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. He is simply praying that these believers in Ephesus and the surrounding churches will know God better. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, Our supreme need is to know God. D.A. Carson says, What is the greatest need in the church today? The one thing we need in Western Christendom is a deeper knowledge of God. We need to know God better. Question, how do we know God better? That's Paul's prayer, that we would know God better. That's awesome, Paul. How do we know God better? Well, look, Paul tells us, this is his prayer, that the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. The knowledge of God is the gift of God. Knowing God is a gift that comes from God, and we know God through the work of the Holy Spirit. He prays that the Spirit of wisdom would help us know. The Holy Spirit takes the things of God and He shows them to us. The Spirit of God takes the things of God that our minds cannot comprehend and He shows them to us. God the Father has made Himself known. He makes Himself known through general revelation, through His creation, but He also makes Himself known through special revelation. God has made Himself known through His inerrant Word that we call the Bible, the Scriptures. He has also made Himself known through the incarnate Word. This is Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. He has made Himself known. And it is the Spirit of God that enables us to understand. Another way to look at it is this. The Spirit of God takes the things of God and He simply unveils them for us so we can see. Isaiah 11 Verse 2 says this, this Old Testament says this, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding. It is the Spirit of God. We have been sealed with the Spirit. The Spirit indwells us and fills us. And it is the Spirit of God that enables us to see clearly who God is. So, so my family, myself, my wife Ryan, oldest son Landon, and Malachi, all need glasses or contacts to be able to see every single one of us. We go to the eye doctor a lot. Like if I were not to be wearing my contacts right now, you all would be a blurry mess. Some of you might say you would look better. I don't think so. I think you look great the way you are. But I could take out, I couldn't see you. I might be able to read because I blow up my font here on my iPad a a little bit. It, It would be blurry. Put my contacts in, wear my glasses, and now I can see. I can see. We all can see physically because of our glasses. Paul is praying that God, in essence, would turn the lights on. That He would enlighten our hearts. In other words, we need Holy Spirit glasses so that we can see who God is. So we can see who God is. Notice what Paul says. 
having the eyes of our hearts enlightened. Why do we need the eyes of our hearts enlightened? Well, Ephesians chapter 4, we'll get here probably in several months. Verse 18 says this, they are darkened in their understanding. All of us apart from the Holy Spirit, we are darkened in our understanding. It's as if we're in the dark and we know God has revealed himself, but we don't really know who he is or we don't understand him. And so it is the Spirit of God in us who enables us to know God better. We call this the ministry of illumination. That we need the Spirit of God to illuminate, to shine bright so that we can see. We need spiritual eyes. This is why the psalmist in Psalm 119 says, Open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things in your law. That's what he prays. When it comes to the Word, you must open my eyes so that I can understand what I'm about to read. The Spirit of God works in us. Hear me. This is so important. The Spirit of God works in us not to give us new revelation apart from God's Word. Be very careful if you hear a preacher saying, God spoke to me, God said this, God revealed this, God gave me this new vision, God gave me this new dream. Be very leery. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't give us new revelation apart from the Word of God. What the Holy Spirit does is He gives us the knowledge, the revelation that's already there, and He helps us to understand it. It's not new revelation. It's already been spoken. The Spirit of God is now helping us to understand it. And so here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, brothers and sisters, I've spent 200-something words talking to you about the blessings that are yours in Christ. What I'm doing faithfully is I'm thanking God for your faith in Jesus and your love toward the saints, and I'm praying that you might better understand and know the promises of God that are already yours. He is not saying, I'm praying God will give you more of the Holy Spirit or more hope or more of Jesus. Because the reality is, we have all the Jesus that we need. There's not more Jesus that God can give to us. He's given us Jesus. There's not more Holy Spirit that God's holding on to saying, well, when you get older, I'll give you more of the Holy Spirit. He's given you the Holy Spirit. He's given you hope. He's given you peace. He's given you the inheritance. All of this is yours. He's saying, I want you to understand it more and more. And that can't happen apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. So what does he want us to know? Three things. The plan was to give you the first two. I'm probably just going to give you the first one, and we'll do the second and third next week. So here's the first thing he says he wants us to know. right? Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. Those are the three. The first one is that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What is the hope? The gospel that we have believed in. Chapter 1, verse 13. The gospel of salvation is a message of hope. Amen? It's a message of hope. And when we hold out this gospel, this good news, that God the Father sent Jesus Christ the Son, He lived a perfect life, He died on the cross in our place, so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could be redeemed, that He's been raised from the dead, ascended to the right hand of God the Father, and He's coming again for us. This good news of the gospel is a message of hope. And when we hold out that gospel, we are essentially holding out hope to people. Listen to Hebrews 6. Hold fast to the hope set before us. It is a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. This hope 
the author of Hebrews says, is an anchor of the soul. What does an anchor do? Well, an anchor secures. An anchor keeps a boat from drifting or moving, right? It keeps it in place. Jesus Christ is our hope. He is our anchor. And this hope gives the Christian stability. Church, hear me. This hope to which we have been called, this work of God in our life, is not just wishful thinking. Rather, we grab hold of the certainty of the promises of the future right? that God has made. We hold fast to them because they're sure and steady. So many people today are basing their life, their decisions upon a feeling, upon an emotion. I feel like doing this, or this is how I feel right now, and so this is what I'm going to do. Instead of basing their decisions and their thoughts and their life on the Word of God. So what does Paul pray? Let me circle back to this, because I think this is interesting. Having the eyes of your, you might think he says mind, right? Because the eyes that we typically think of are up here in our head, and typically there with our eyes, it's close to our brain, and so we think of the mind as the intellectual center. We think of the heart as being the emotional center. And so, right, I love you with all my heart, my feelings, my emotions. Heart, intellect is the mind. But that wasn't the case in ancient times. You all all know this. If you haven't heard this, you'll find it fascinating and maybe a little odd. But in ancient days, the heart was the center of intellectual thought. It was the heart. So you would not say to someone, I love you with all my heart. That would be foreign to them. For them in ancient days, the center of your emotions were your bowels. And this is where you've never heard this, it gets a little weird. Like, in the ancient days, you would say, I love you with all my bowels. And that's not near as romantic, is it? But that's what it was. Because you, you know, you get butterflies where in your stomach, like this feeling, I'm anxious, I'm nervous, you're, my stomach's out of whack, right? We feel in our stomach, in, in our gut and so when when paul's talking about the eyes of our heart he understands the heart is the intellectual center we don't just think with our minds but we think with our heart and and, in our decisions and our lives come out of the heart emotions for so many of us are the driving force our emotions our feelings and this prompts me in what i do if your hope is in your feelings. Your hope is going to be like this. Our hope isn't in our feelings. Our hope is in the certainty and in the promises of God. So, so here's how I want to close. And this may be applicable to one of you. Every single one of us right now could be wrestling with this. So some of you this morning, if you're honest, you might say, Pastor, I don't feel loved by God I'm sitting here I know my heart I know the sins I know what I've done and as I sit here pastor I don't feel loved by God okay that's how you feel but here's the deal what does God's word say not what do you feel what does God's word say God's word says for God so loved the world that he gave his son 
Chapter 1, verse 5, it says, In love he predestined us. So you would say, Pastor, I don't feel loved. And what I would say to you is, it's not about your feelings. It's about the promises of God's word. And God says in Christ he loves you. That's your hope, not your feeling. Some of you may say, Pastor, I don't, I don't feel forgiven. I've committed a sin. I've confessed that sin. But as I sit here, I feel the weight. I feel the guilt. And I don't feel forgiven. You tell me there's forgiveness, but I don't feel it. And I would say, okay, I get your feelings. But what does God's word say? Here's what God's word says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to, anybody know? forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness so you say pastor i don't feel forgiven and what i would say to you is do you know jesus yes i do have you confessed your sins yes i have then you are forgiven period doesn't matter how you feel you're forgiven if it's based upon your feelings you'll be all over the place but the promises of god changes that you say pastor i don't feel saved what do you mean you don't feel saved have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Yes, Pastor, I have. Is Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life? Yes, Pastor, He is. Then Ephesians 1 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. It doesn't matter if you feel saved. God's Word says you are saved if you have believed in Him. We have a culture making their decisions based upon feelings when we need to base it upon the promise of God's Word. We have a culture who is making decisions based upon what they feel right. When we as the church don't live like that, we make our decisions based upon what God has declared to be right, whether we feel like it or not. So I couldn't help, as I was thinking about this this week, I was reminded of the skit by Bob Newhart. Some of you have seen this. right? He's counseling this woman who comes in, and she's like, man, I'm terrified of being buried alive in a box and he's like I've, I've got two words for you she goes out to take it pad of paper to pen and to write it down he's like we well, can write it down if you want but it's pretty easy to remember and she said okay I'm ready and his two words were stop it that was it stop it now look that doesn't work in a lot of counseling situations not as easy as stop it but hear me and I say this with all of my heart and with love if you are basing your life and your salvation on a feeling Stop it. Stop it. Because you will never know hope. And you will never know freedom. And you will never know the goodness and the greatness of our God because our feelings deceive us. You better believe right now Satan knows. He knows one way to get to your heart is just to mess up your feelings. Because if you don't feel saved, you're not going to live like you're saved. If you don't feel loved, you're not going to rest in that love. And so what Paul is saying is, listen, all of these glorious things that I've already talked about, they are yours. They are sure in Christ. So don't live your life based upon these feelings, but live based upon the promise of God's word. Church, they are yours. In just a moment, we are going to sing a song, one of my favorite praise songs, called living hope and the reason i wanted to sing this this morning is because we, we're talking about hope and it's good sometimes just to sing and to be reminded that our hope as peter says in first peter chapter one is a living hope that is based upon the promises of god's word so hear me if you don't know jesus it don't matter what you feel you say well, I, I i think i feel maybe i'm saved no 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 
If you don't know Jesus, you need to give your life to Jesus. You need to be sure and certain that you've confessed your sins, repented of your sins, and taken hold of Jesus. And that the power of the cross, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is now yours in Christ. We'll get into that next week. You need to understand that in Christ you have an inheritance, in the, that you are God's inheritance. He treasures you. We'll get into that next week. This morning, you need to know the hope. So do you know Jesus? If you don't, give your life to Jesus right now. And if you do know Jesus, then base your life upon what he has said about you and the promises that are yours in Christ. Don't live based on feelings live based upon the promises of his word let's pray father god we thank you for the hope of your word god we all have emotions we all have feelings we all have different thoughts and we all face different circumstances and and lord i'm not exempt from that lord there's sometimes that lord i I come in on a sunday morning feeling feeling good and by sunday night i'm just tired and maybe discouraged and and Satan knows that. Satan knows that this week that things are going to happen. And he may try to use those to discourage us, to get us down, to beat us up. Father, instead of us giving in to those feelings, letting those feelings and emotions define us, oh God, will we just come back to your word, please, this morning? God, bring us back to your word. Spirit of God, give us the eyes to see with a heart. Jesus, of who of who you are, and the good news of the gospel that is ours, salvation that is ours in Christ, the redemption, the inheritance, the the Spirit of God who has sealed us and indwells us. Oh Lord, may we see you today more clearly than we have seen you in a long time. May we see your glory, and we also see you as our Father. And may we rest in you and in the promises of your word. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. The altar is always open. If you want to come and kneel and pray while we worship, feel free to do that. But would you sing with us about this living hope? How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. Desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished. Christ, my living hope. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of angels stepped down from glory. Spoken, I am forgiven. The King of Kings calls me his.
There's a resource out on the welcome desk. Um, there's five areas that Mission Georgia focus on, focuses on. It's a way for you to be praying for those five areas. Uh, so if you'll pick up one um, of those. We have our normal Sunday evening activities tonight, so come be a part of that. We do have a deacons meeting at 7.15. Uh, the plan is to still have that. Um, so be here uh, for that. Deacon, stick around. And I'll be back probably in time for the deacons meeting. I may not be here uh, for Rwanda because I don't know if I could stay away from the kids. I just like hanging out with the kids. So, but I'll be back for that. So Ryan McMichael is the Deacon of the Week. He's going to come uh, and close us with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving us this time to gather together in your house, Lord. Lord, thank you that you are our living hope, that we do not serve a dead God, that we serve a risen Savior, Lord. Lord, thank you for the hope that we have in you through that. Thank you for the new life that you offer to us, Lord, and the new life that we see evidence today, Lord. Lord, thank you for just all that you've given us. As you do, guide us and direct us in all we do. In Jesus' name.